This podcast is brought to you by NBS.FM, the no bullshit podcast network. Hey guys, Adam here. I just wanted to, I've literally just jumped back into the seat because after every podcast me and H do, we have like this chat afterwards and H just like crystallized the 30 minute podcast. I'm not saying don't listen to it because I'm giving <laughs> Cheers, you, the, I'm giving you the punchline here, um, but H sort of crystallized what this whole conversation led to which is it kind of went, we went down a hiring and a culture and as you listen to this show the the key things that we want to drive home is the culture that you build defines your values and that's what you need to communicate with your team and it really hit home and it sort of crystallized it then because if we think about the values that we've built here at Expert Trades and how we define them, the number one value that is on our boards in our office, printed with some great illustrations by a member of the team, is we put people before profits. And that is really how this whole thing is manifested from the family culture, using air quotes, that this whole conversation starts off on. Enjoy. Hey guys, and welcome to this episode of The Startup Diary. I'm Harrison Mudge, and I'm with my co-host, Adam Callow. And if this is your first time listening to the show, this is where we share the highs, the lows, and all the learnings of what it truly takes to build a business. Over the last seven years, we've gone from an idea, bootstrapped the business, raised some funding from some angels, then raised some venture capital, and we've made a number of mistakes along the way, and this podcast is to help you avoid making those same mistakes. If this is your first time here, don't forget to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. So Adam, before we get started, let's ask the burning question. How was your Christmas and New Year? I had no idea you were going to go there. I thought it was going to be, let's uh, let's get started with why there's been a bit of delay. Uh, they know, fit- hey, if, if these people are coming back now, they know why. Yeah, they know. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not holding any pressure about that now. Like, I've got so much energy towards this podcast. People are going to be like, well, guys, slow down on the episodes. Like, I'm, I'm ready. I've got, for a number of reasons, been going to later. Christmas and New Year. So, overall positive. And with two young boys, Riley and Reggie, four and seven now. Uh, Riley turned seven a week ago. We did our best to kind of keep it feeling festive for them. Mm-hmm. There's just this for everyone they know it's there's just this underlying tone of uh, it's a bit shit so for me and sarah we were just like we'd love having family around and family looking around to see the boys overall really positive needed the break actually had a really good switch off um the boys had a blast but specifically riley he was just very aware that we didn't have family around because uh, it was his birthday as well uh, and the only time I saw him get upset was when he realized that, that Nana um, and Grandpops weren't coming round mm. to see him on his birthday. Nothing about the presents and stuff like that, which was pretty nice, actually. Um, he was just like, do you mean they're not coming to see me? So we had to explain again what's going on. And there's a, just an education piece. But without going too far into the COVID discussion and all that, I would say Christmas and New Year, good. Came in between Christmas and New Year for one day to to do a day of work. But outside of that, I was so switched off and really really needed the recharge after what happened last year yeah big time just the if nothing else just time off from work was just a nice um re-energizing thing to to go through like because it just it felt like it was non-stop work Mm -hmm. in the office just doing doing the huge and to the point where it's like 
I remember, not again, not to dive into the COVID thing too much, but I remember, I think it was like our last week. It was like Monday of the last week before we finished for Christmas. And obviously everyone's getting a bit, for the first time, we're getting a little bit excited to just have a break at Christmas. And then um, it was when Dover was shut. And then yeah. Christmas is, the, the five days at Christmas has been reduced and cancelled. I think I was like, I, I think I shed a tear in my morning coffee because it was just like. I remember you coming in looking just, beaten up that day. We had a conversation that morning. Yeah, it was just like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> come on. <laughs> but I guess from the recharge point, so be for the first time ever, we'd booked three weeks off as a family. So last year we were going to America mm. um, and we, the year before, uh, because we knew we were going away, we didn't take any real breaks and we just drove towards Cornwall. Let's just push, push, push because we can have this big recharge and this big reset. Yep. That obviously doesn't happen. And then there's just a whirlwind of trying to work out where are we, what, we, what do we have to do and how do we sort of fight this. And I think I didn't realize just how much I needed a recharge. Yeah. And I guess just to to move on from this from this part of the conversation, but with a real big learning for me is I'm taking some time every three to four months, even if it's just a week off, just to, even if we're still in lockdown, whatever. Because I came back with a lot of energy and drive mm-hmm. and clarity, uh, and I really think there is something there in terms of just getting a time to reset, because. You're nodding. I thought you were going to say something. Yeah, I was going to let you finish, but I was just going to say one one thing that I realized when sort of thinking back and almost like if you actually think about when you have the time off, I personally anyway don't at the time feel like I'm recharging or Mm re-energizing or or anything like that. It's only when you've had the break and you come back, it's like, wow, I feel like the new year. I'm I'm ready to to carry on and, and crack on and grind through it again. But like when i was off for christmas it wasn't like oh wow i'm like i'm i can feel myself filling yeah, up with yeah. new energy again it, like that's not clear at the time it's just it just shows though how subtle the build up of of exhaustion can be the same mm-hmm. way that the the release of it can be as well yeah and how long it kind of takes to get that battery full again yeah so to your point i think you get back in 2 days in and you go oh this this is what it feels like when battery's full yeah. <laughs> it kind of takes yeah, that yeah, back yeah. into the rhythm of like I want to feel like this more often about my work. So my simple answer was, okay, just recharge a little bit more often. So you don't need to crash. You can mm-hmm. kind of just, cool. It's okay to take a week out every three months and go, let's just think. And I think it needs to be a week plus. Like I've had long weekends booked in for different stuff and, like, and things like that. But you have four days where two of them were the weekend and then you've got Monday, Tuesday off, for example. You still you come back on a Wednesday and it's not... it. I, again, only speaking for myself, but it doesn't feel the same as when you've had an entire week of, of an, a proper break, whether it's a staycation or an actual holiday somewhere. I think that's how you, um, I guess for me, it's how you communicate the disconnect. Because if I was away for just Monday, Tuesday, I wouldn't overly communicate to the team that I'm not accessible, don't speak to me, I'm off the grid. Because I'm only away Monday and Tuesday. Like if I was away for a week to reset, I'd be like, I'm off the grid. Mm-hmm. I don't care how big the fire is. <laughs> and, I guess, and I guess it's your mindset as well, right? Yeah, when you are only off Monday, Tuesday. So it takes the time to, you're, you're it takes staying, time to come down. You're thinking, I'm, I'm, back, I'm back to work on Wednesday. So even, the fires can wait, but I'll be on them on Wednesday. So you're staying in work mode, I guess, at that point. Right? Yeah, yeah. So. Because like to your point, like think about it like a 14, like when you go away on holiday for two weeks, you spend the first couple of days just switching off. Mm-hmm. And the last couple of days you spend gearing back up. Yeah. And you only really relax for the middle. 
you can't really there's no middle yeah, yeah, and yeah. end and start to a long weekend like you need that that curve yeah good point so yeah recharge was really really good for me and then just on the family point man having a blast man like mm-hmm. i'm just feeling like more connected to the family and the boys than i've ever felt and a number of factors going into that but right now little things like breakfast with the family every morning and the habits that lockdown has forced and then we've kept just feel really happy as a dad right now just to just to box that off um really and really happy that even when lockdown wasn't lockdown to what we're in now those habits stayed so we're really mm-hmm. building on those and protecting that time so really happy yeah, yeah it allowed us to see what things could be like and it's like well th- these are the things that really matter and especially with everything else going on you realize the things that are the most important mm-hmm. um and like the journal says is it's your um health and happiness are the most important things don't let anyone take them away work will always be there right so yeah maximize family time and, and stuff like that um yeah we'll, we'll move on right uh i just thought i'd get I appreciate check in yeah, because yeah, i know people uh, people are like where the fuck have you guys been <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, uh, I wanted today, Adam, I wanted to ask you a question. Um, I actually made a note of this myself at the end of last year. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if it came up in a conversation we happened to be having or if I heard something or whatever it was that triggered me to, to make a note of this. Um, but I'm, and I'm pretty sure people that listen to the show will have heard you say it as well. Um, but this one's specifically about hiring. So Mm. let me just read uh, my note. Let me see if it's coherent enough as well. Uh, The question I wrote was... (laughs) I love the fact we're both experiencing this for the first time right now. (laughs) I'm right there with you, mate. Um, Do you think hiring the way you do, so adding to the family, once you're in, you're in, is a better approach to growing a company than the potentially more standard, in air quotes, approach of expanding and contracting as needed. That's a meaty one. <laughs> so I don't know if I need to add more to that, but I think, like I say, people have probably heard before. Like once you're, like you said, once you're in, once you're in, you've done your probation, you're in. Yeah, you're part of the family. I'll I'll work my socks off to make sure that your wages covered, and every new person that joins the company just adds to to that, that yeah, yeah. Uh, compounding pressure that you put yourself under. <laughs> um, whereas normal companies. And there's probably some sort of detachment and um, based on like the size, right, of the company. But most companies will be like, we need, there's another role, fill it, fill a bunch of roles, um, something bad happens or that role's no longer needed, cool, bin them off. And it's probably, it's not as cold as that, but it's kind of like, well, mm-hmm. the, the numbers don't stack up, the role's no longer there. Expand. <laughs> um Okay. And by the so way, it's there's, really, it's, there's, it's, there's it's, probably no right or wrong, but it's just, I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone, I've never personally heard anyone have this sort of approach to a, a company. So so I'm, I'm not going to tread carefully here, even though potentially I should, because I just know a lot of the team listen to the podcast. Um, <laughs> You've all been let go. <laughs> <laughs> I guess to summarize what you're talking about, just to make sure I heard it, heard the question right is i've sort of had this philosophy that when i bring someone into the team uh and we work through that probation period and you're a good culture fit and you're smart 
I kind of then say, well, your salary is going to get paid before mine. Mm-hmm. And I go, cool, that's, you're in. And last year with COVID hitting, I think everyone in the team expected there to be some layoffs. And it's all right saying, hey, you're in the family, we're going to work hard, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And then you have to put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> well, we were, we were again, we spoke about it on the show, but we were super close to hiring a uh, personal assistant, to you, executive assistant, sorry, um, for yourself. And we didn't end up going through that mm-hmm. because that was an, another because, mouth to feed. Yeah, basically. because taking that salary applies a lot of pressure on everyone else's mm-hmm. it's money. But listen, I think to answer your question... Um, I don't think how we do it is the most effective way. Mm-hmm. Um, and some things have to change in order for us to to grow an effective organization. And what I mean by that is I can't take on that person. The way you word it is right. I take on that personal commitment to that employee. Because for me, I'm like, well, the first five, 10 people that join this company, like, we sat down and you made a commitment to me to do your best and you came to work for me and you believed in my vision and mission. And then I'm like making a commitment to you to say, you come join the company, you deliver, and mm-hmm. I'm going to always support you. And what that's done is potentially resulted in me moving people around the company to fill roles that they're not best suited to. But I've built a culture where people like to work here because we're a really good team. And if I'm looking at it from the employee's perspective, because it's really good and bad on both sides, because you might really enjoy working for this company, but you might be on a career path you don't actually want to be on, but you really mm. build, the, you really attach yourself to the culture. So I think there's, I think there's pros and cons to how we've done it. And I think every company, especially in the early days, you kind of need that founding, t- which is what we are. We're like a founding team. Like we've all just said, we're going to roll up our sleeves and we're going to try and make this work. And we're going to all push in the same direction. But I think if that mentality won't work effectively as we go from 15 to 50, it just can't because you need to hire people for very specific roles and you need to place bets within the business. And as the company grows and we place a bet, we might place the wrong bet and that, that unit might have five, six, seven people in, but we go, we've made a bad choice as a business. As, as the business, we then have to communicate to those people that, hey, the bet we've placed was wrong. That role isn't needed. When you're a team of 50, you can't then move people around and jig them about to fit them somewhere else. It's just not effective. You're going to end up with what was an A player in this role over here becoming a C player over here because you've wanted to keep them. You've made the logic in your head to, well, they're, they're a good person. They're smart. Let's put them over here. Mm. But that's not what they are made to do. It's like me asking you to become a sales professional. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> we've, 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 we've we have played that game for a couple of weeks when you were, when you were here for a week or two, just for something on your CV. But that's the extreme example. Like you're a mm. creative at heart and it's like me hiring a creative and then asking to work on a spreadsheet just because I want to keep them in the company. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it doesn't you fit. You should see my spreadsheets. <laughs> I, I, I guess the point I'm making is, in the early days, I think it works. I think it works because you just sort of like hire a bunch of generalists. 
and then you let them specialize as they've they kind of build themselves a role within the company you hire really smart people on a mission and because we're not entirely sure what we're doing we're just making it up every day mm-hmm. you just trust to surround yourself with really smart people to make it up with you and try and find a solution take 40 as an example so 40's a really smart cat and he came in to do business development <laughs> and he ended up <laughs> literally in tears on the phone pretty quickly because he just hated calling people mm-hmm. and I'm like mm, you can't do BD here you can't you can't crack deals here mate if you can't speak to people on the phone without them expecting a phone call um but he was a really smart guy and then we had a conversation and he was like well i'm interested in this and i'm like well that's something the business actually is interested in so we worked together and then he's built a really successful department within the business and our website team but that's because we hired a generalist and we were finding our feet so i think as a company grows you move less from generalists to specialists and when you're hiring a specialist to do a job, you have to hold them accountable for that specific job. And if that job is no longer needed because the company changes direction or that person doesn't deliver against that job, then you have to let them go. You have to move them on. It's not good for you and it's not good for them. So in terms of how we viewed stuff right now, I think it's been wonderful in terms of the culture we've built. But in order to go from 15 to 50 that you're in, you've passed probation, you get paid before I do. That's not really how it's going to go moving forward. Mm. It just can't. I don't think there's a right and a wrong. I just think the company needs to evolve. And you can take it to the extreme where, to your point, it becomes very transactional and there's a role to fill, fill it with. That is, we'll never get there because we've got heart. <laughs> like, yeah. we care. But I, I also think that some of that, like, that, that, the transactional nature of here's a role you need to fill it. it when that's understood, it's less um, it's less cold hearted if if the role's no longer needed, right? If mm-hmm. it, if for example, there's no end of jobs that are like looking for six month um, role potentially extend further. Like people go into those roles hoping for more, but understand where we're at. I think that I guess I guess part of because we kind of still are a small company like some of these roles have still been wishy-washy and we're kind of we've not been able to define the role if you can't define the role you can't measure its success exactly so what happens is you hire someone that might be a specialist in something but because you because you've still technically asked for a generalist that kind of we're looking for someone to, to to manage this data but we probably need you to do all sorts of things still they're like but I guess when the the primary part of that role is no longer required, but they've then been doing six other things, mm-hmm. it's a bit of a weird one when it's like, but I still do so much. You yeah. don't need me for this, but I'm still doing all this. Yeah. And, and then I get, there's almost like guilt on, <laughs> probably guilt on both sides. And it's like, oh, we didn't, we didn't define the role for you. That, Th- those nine other tasks that you do just don't bring enough value in to cover the the ninety percent of your salary sort of thing. And and that's what we have desperately always tried to avoid because that's the failure of the CEO and the company. Is you bring someone smart in and then that role is no longer needed. Because to your point, we haven't we haven't matured yet as a business. Like we are still developing opportunities. And the way that I see it is, we're actually a really interesting mature is an interesting word to talk about. We're at an interesting stage now, but before we've gone, here's the direction we're going. 
I kind of just need people in here that want to go there and are smart and can help us get there. Mm. And then we kind of build products and services and roles and campaigns and around getting us closer to there. Cool. Now we kind of, we have a strategy. We kind of know where we're going. We know how these pieces of our puzzle work together. We're now hiring very specialist roles. Sam Marsden, commercial director coming in. He has, he's very, I hold him accountable to what he needs to deliver and he has very strict criteria. Mm-hmm. I can measure his role. He can measure his role. Product data controller coming in. Like that is a very specific role. We used to say like- Also sounds an absolute hoot. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing what some people enjoy to be honest. But we're kind of going through that transition period now of generalists that are really smart that can help us build the solution to- specialists that have a very specific role to play in the solution that we're building. And I think for the people that join early doors and gym sharks, take those guys, some of the first, some of the three, five, seven mates that started gym shark have developed their roles into very senior leadership roles. They've grown with the company and you could say, well, He's taking the same philosophy, which is like, well, you're you're in. You tr- you believed in the mission early doors. Let's grow. But I think what he's done is he surrounded himself with smart people. Ben Francis, he was like, well, I've got smart mates. He probably invited smart mates in to build it. Mm-hmm. So those generalists became specialists over time because they were smart. And then you listen to a wonderful podcast with uh, Tim Ferriss and one of the guys, I think he's the operations director over at Shopify. And he says something where he's like, we have to develop into our role because of the rate of growth of Shopify, they have to develop and grow in their role every single year and demonstrate that they are still a fit for their role with the company size they are going from five to 50 to 500 people. The requirements of leadership is very different. So how they all communicate with each other at a senior level, which is I know we're growing at a rapid rate. The day that I don't feel like I am fit for this role to be a leader at 50 person to 500 I'm very aware that you will have to bring someone else above me. And they have those they have those very transparent um, conversations. Mm. And I would like to think that when we're having that discussion as a team, that we'll have those conversations. Whereas if I'm bringing in someone now to do, like Danny Batch does growth marketing for us, okay? We might start growing at, a, at such a clip that all of a sudden I need I need a really senior person to come in and drive a commercial team, a growth team. And then me and Danny might have a conversation. He might not be a fit to run a team. He might not have that expertise. Mm-hmm. So I need to bring someone in above Danny. He'll know that. We're aware of that. That's fine. Or he might be willing to take that challenge on. But because I've placed the bet and hired a smart person, I think that person will always stay in the company. Where they fit within the company, I think we've developed a level of self-awareness between us that we're okay because we're all just trying to... We're very mis- I think the point I'm trying to make in a convoluted way is the generalists that we hire that are smart are all mission focused. It's, I believe in the vision that we're going. I believe in the people that we're supporting. Let's just get it done. And when people have got that attitude, it's you, you do build a bond. You do build that. Mm. I'm going to feed you before I feed me. Leaders eat last. That's Simon Sinek philosophy. I believe in that. But as we grow the company further, don't want to use the word transactional, but you do develop that more. Place bigger bets. Placing a bigger bet naturally means placing a bigger risk. Mm-hmm. And I'm just a really big believer. Let's take Nina. Fantastic example. Okay. Nina comes, this is a, uh, I wish I got to this sooner in my thinking. <laughs> okay. Nina comes into the business. So Nina's part of the website team. 
Um, and we normally hire into that team after Black Friday because Matt is screwing. He's just like, we sell, we sold a tremendous amount of websites in our Black Friday sale and his team is just overworked. Um, that's, their, that's their crunch time. And he came to me and was like, I want to hire before Black Friday and build this person's knowledge base up so they can actually help us with the Black Friday brush. Yeah, because there's a bit of a headache from his point of view, right? When it's all right bringing someone in, but you're now trying to onboard someone at peak time. Yeah, the busiest, literally yeah. the busiest eight to 12 weeks for the mm-hmm. website team while bringing that new person in and train them up. And I was like, Matt, I'm okay with that. I'm cool with that. But this comes down to how you communicate with this role of the risk that you're asking them to take. And what I was communicating is, Matt, if we don't hit our sales target and there is not a capacity for that that person, we have to hit our sales target to create the volume of work for this person to act as an account manager for the website customers. If we don't hit that, that person has to go. And I've never, ever thought of it like that because I've normally like hit capacity and then found and then kind of backfilled a role. Mm-hmm. We actually need, oh crap, we're at 120%. And what he wanted to do is, before I hit 120%, let's hire this person in. So we took the approach of, and fair play to him, I said, if you want to place, the, if you want to have that conversation and place the bet, that's fine. But they need to be aware of what they're coming into. And he, we just openly communicated, hey, here's what we're doing. We've never missed the sales target. This role is needed. If we hit this target, we're going to drive towards it. If we don't hit it, there won't be any work after the probation period. Was the target increased uh, um, to accommodate for the new role? As in, like no, 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 no. We we hit the t- we have the target which allows us uh, from a revenue perspective to hire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of like naturally built in. Uh, usually from our target. The new hire is the result of hitting the target. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It provides enough MRR, monthly recurring revenue, into the business mm-hmm. to put the new role in. Um. And that's how I think you can do this. I think you can you can probably that's probably our transition from hey you're in you're in let's go to you're in but the company needs to perform. That was our first step into, and I guess there's an education piece here as well because I'm moving away from directly managing specific members of the team. So Matt runs his website team, which means Matt needs to understand the P and L for the website team. So if he wants to hire someone, I now no longer tell Matt when he can and can't hire. I tell Matt, you need to deliver this much net profit and this margin across that product. And that's a growth piece for Matt. Coming back to the Shopify thing, which is you have to grow into your role. And if he can't grow into that role, then I need to hire someone else above Matt to run that P&L. But he'll do it because he's smart. So all these things work together. And if, if someone's listening to this right now and they're thinking, well, that's not fucking helpful for me. How do I build this team? Do I go transactional and flex and contract as needed? I believe as a as a as a small business, you need a bunch of generalists that are super smart in the early days that you can just count on. And there is a fr- there is a friendship there, there is a deep level of trust because it's really hard and you're gonna get it wrong. You're gonna you're gonna Mike Tyson's favorite quote to everyone listening to this is everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Well, being an entrepreneur, you get punched in the face every day. That's what you've signed up for. You kinda want a team in your corner every single day that you can count on. And you get that by telling them and demonstrating to them that I value you and I'm going to put myself on the line to make sure that you are looked after. If you do that, you build a culture where you they know my CEO is doing everything he can. And what that really means is if I have to, and if this comes to it and I've done it in the past and I've let people go, I, I have to either say they weren't a fit or the company isn't performing and we need to let this person go. They know 
that I have done everything I physically can to support that person and build that role and get that revenue in and basically protect that person's job. There is no question if I let someone go that the team won't go, there's there's no second, there's no doubt it's, mm. that was a really tough decision. It doesn't go, oh, fucking hell, coming into it, da, 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 da. There's, there's not all this water cooler bullshit chat. It's, you get empathy. I get emails from people saying, I'm really sorry I had to do that. It's like, when we've let people go in the past, it's like, when the team come to you and go, I'm really sorry I had to make that decision. I know how hard it is for you. You know you've built a culture where you're fighting as a team together. And I guess, in a, in a roundabout way, that's what I'm trying to communicate is, you need that, you need that early. You can't be transactional early. You can't be, business is good, let's hire you. Business is contracting, ooh, bank accounts looking a little bit low. We've only got four months runway in the in the bank. Let's let go of Sally. And it's like, oh, let's bring another Sally because then the whole team is going to be on eggshells and maybe I should have a second job in the pipeline. Like Maybe I should always mm-hmm. be looking. You've just got to have everyone blinkers on and focus on the mission. And without that level of commitment from the CEO, you're not going to get that and you'll never get off the starting blocks. You need a team. Yeah, and it's and you 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 said it a few times like it it becomes culture then, right? It might it it might transition to transactional in air quotes, but it, it the the culture that you want to bring forward from when it was you're in the family is is still the same, right? You can still be part of the family. This company looks after me. I'm number 1001 but they still look after me yeah. so long as I pull my weight and hit my numbers sort of thing. Like then I'm not just a cog that is producing numbers. They will actually um, treat me from time to time. That I, I am I am John Smith, not employee 1001, I think is the, is the main thing. Yeah. And just to make clear, supporting you might, might mean letting you go. Might mean I can see that you love working here, Rach, but this isn't the career that I know you want to be on. Every time we meet and we have our talks and calls, you've got this fire in you about becoming an Instagram influencer doing Pad Thai Guy. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I'm like, this is holding you back. And that might mean, listen, we both know it. Let's have an open conversation. And how do we transition you out the business in a way that supports you into what you actually want to do? There, there are ways, I guess what this is, this comes down to how you just deal with people with empathy and candor like how do we have an honest conversation that you wake up in the morning and feel inspired to do your best work and i know that when you're at my desk and you're working for me you're you're believing our mission and you're doing the best work for the company and as long as you have that level of trust then you can have any conversation and if someone has to leave they have to leave like i don't expect you to work for me for your life i want you to work for me and when you work for me do your best work help me get closer to the company vision and at a stage you might grow out of this role and you'll tell me and we'll go cool, Harry, celebrate. Harry did some fucking amazing work for this company. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's that's the culture I want to build is someone goes, I'm going to come to Expert Trades because they're going to support me in my growth. And one day I might outgrow the company. They might grow too slow for me. Fine. Tell me. That's the culture. It's not about I'm going to, I'm going to risk my financials. I'm not going to, I'm not going to send the company under for one person. But what I will do is look after you mm-hmm. and I'll always be honest. I think that's the the summary here. Um, we'll leave it there, mate. To be honest, sorry, man. I got no, it. Was good. It was good. I was <laughs> I was going to take us off on a tangent, but we'll uh, we'll wrap this one up. We've been talking for like thirty minutes, mate. Oh wow, okay. It's it, good to be back. It's, it's good to be back. I'm a, a quick. So thing. until next year, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I guess one thing that I'm super fired up about the podcast at the moment, not because of the podcast itself, but through I've. 
I've I want to say thank you to everyone that put the hands up to to help me with my diploma. I'm not plugging that now because I'm done with that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I was, was going to say, is there any no, spaces left? No, no. Thank you to everyone that stuck <laughs> the hand up. It's been amazing. It was but, great. It was great to see that people did um, reach out there and get in touch. But the the thing is for me that's given me so much energy from that is just hearing the impact that this podcast has had on people. Um, and that and the thing that is the the common trend about the shows that have been the most impactful is this. It's just talking, me and you, mm. what's going on, how do we think about stuff? And it's just, it's if this show only had 50 listeners, I know how much it's made an impact on those 50 listeners. So thank you for everyone that's put the hand up. I'm fired up and really looking forward to sort of doing more of this this year. Um, yeah, just wanna, I guess it's just a way, I just want to say thanks. Not not just for those guys that said about the coaching, but if you've listened to the show and you've got anything from it, thanks. It's been really cool connecting with some of you and we're looking forward to doing more of that this year and building more of a community around this podcast. Nice. Um, one thing I'll ask as we wrap this up is uh, we love your guys' questions uh, and we'd love to answer them on the show. So if you have a question you would like that. answering, please email us, guys. Please, please. Do it for me. Do it for Adam. Do it for Sam. Do it for everyone. Do it for yourself. If you've got a burning question, get in touch. Startup Diary at nbs.fm. Until next time, guys, see you later.